Well, good morning, Crossroads Baptist Church family. Thank you for uh, watching our live stream message. Uh, seeing some comments there just prior to hopping up here. It's good to see um, some names and uh, all of you taking the time to, uh, to listen in. Um, we hope you enjoyed a little time of singing earlier. Um, we are going to try and do music each Sunday from here on out. So if you want to pay attention um, to this Facebook page, um, every Sunday morning, Lord willing, around 1015, um, there'll be some music posted. Um, so we hope to uh, you'll join us here. And by here, I mean on this Facebook page. Um, I do want to say that all of our face, uh, all of our music um, is either public domain or from sovereign grace. Okay, public domain or sovereign grace. Sovereign Grace Music has made all of their music free to use and to be used on streaming services during this pandemic. Very kind of them to do that. They also allow that anytime. But specifically, they said, use our music. Just say that it's from us. Um, and that's what we have done. So if you would like to um, check them out on Spotify or YouTube, that is Sovereign Grace Music. I want to start by a little bit of a call to worship. Um, please turn in your Bibles to First Chronicles. First Chronicles 29. One of the things I miss about gathering together is the sound of the Scriptures being turned to, the pages of the Bible being shuffled to. I, I miss that. I trust you're turning to First Chronicles 29 to preface our morning by a short passage of Scripture. First Chronicles 29 verse 10 says the following, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly, and David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom. O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. I, I found that a fitting passage of Scripture to start off our live stream this morning. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word and His Word only. 
A few announcements before we get into our message this morning. Um, there are quite a few, so if you could uh, just pay attention to these, jot them down if you'd like. The first one is I want to thank you all for praying. I had the privilege of speaking with most of you on the phone this week. If you're listening to this and you're saying, well, you didn't call me, don't worry. You're on my list of pestering, and I will bug you this week. For those who I was able to pester, if you will, uh, I had a great time chatting and, and talking about the importance of prayer. And I want to thank you for praying. Um, these prayer lists are getting emailed out to our church um, folks probably once every other day or so. Um, if you have prayer requests, send them to me and I will uh, add them to that list. Uh, I just want to say thank you for all your prayers. I also want to say continue to pray. Continue to pray. Continue to pray for one another. Continue to pray for our government, both here in Nova Scotia, but also as a nation. And pray for our country. And pray for our world. Continue to pray. Continue to seek God's will to be brought forth through these circumstances. And thirdly, I want to say, continue to communicate, okay? It's been a, a joy to hear and to see other people connecting with others via phone or Facebook live stream. Um, the men this week had a, a good time of, of trying uh, our first ever Facebook live stream for our devotional, and that went great. I want to encourage you to continue to communicate. Continue to stay plugged in to your church family. And if you need to pick up the phone and initiate that, do it, please. Uh, we need to continue to communicate. Uh, next, I want to put in a little plug here. I've been bugging quite a few people about this, um, this app or website called Scribd, okay? S-C-R-I-B-D dot com is an online book subscription, okay? It's a lot like Audible, but I think it's better between you and I. Um, if you would like to become part of that, I can actually send you a link and you can get two free months. You can try it out. There are thousands of books on there, um, audiobooks and regular books that you can download um, for offline use or use them on your computer or on your smartphone. Um, the reason why I say that is I, I think it's important that we continue to um, grow in our understanding and our knowledge. And a lot of books that we can read. And this is a time where we have, um, well, it seems like we have a little bit more time uh, on our hands. So I want to encourage you to be reading something um, outside of the Word of God, not taking place of your time within the Word, but picking up a book uh, about a topic of God, a topic of theology. Um, and that app or program is a great place to start. So if you'd like that, message me and I can get you started with two free months. That's a, a, an awesome thing. And if you end up paying for it, I think it's only like 7 or $8 a month. So. Next, um, our tellers. Thank you for coming in this past Friday. Um, our tellers are going to come in every Friday between 2 and 3 
to receive any offerings. Now you can give in two ways. You can um, mail it or drop it off between um, the hours of 2 and 3 every Friday, or you can give on CanadaHelps.org. Okay? want to let you know uh, in regards to that. Next, I, th- I said there was a lot, okay? Th- there are a lot here. Our next one is uh, our men's group. We had, like I said, a great time with our men's group doing a Facebook live stream. Our ladies have been doing that for a lot longer than us. Uh, they kind of led the way in that. But we had a good time this past week. Thank you for those who were able to look at chapter 6 of The Exemplary Husband. Um, we're going to do a different platform this week. We're going to try Zoom, okay? Uh, we're going to try the program Zoom. So if you could, between now and Thursday, download on whatever device you're going to use to um, participate in the Men's Exemplary Husband Study, download the app um, on your smartphone or on your tablet or on your computer. Um, download Zoom, start an account. It's free. Um, I'm going to be having an account myself where it allows us to have more time and more people. And you're going to get a link on Thursday. All you got to do is click on that and you'll join the meeting. And we can see each other. A little bit more interaction than just Facebook live stream. Um, you're able to, uh, to interact a little bit. So there will be some video for that. So make sure and comb your hair before we start. Nick's going to be teaching that um, this week. Which brings me to the last announcement I have. I want to say thank you. To Nick, okay, Nick's back there. He's not going to look at me or anything. He's just going to laugh, tell me to zip it. But Nick has done uh, a lot to make this happen. Um, you might think it's a little easier, or a little. Uh, you might think it's pretty easy, just putting the phone up and hitting go live. Uh, it's a little bit more than that. And I want to say thank you to Nick for hours and hours of work that he's put in here at the church, getting this all set up with the music and and all the live stream. He's really doing a good job. So if you can think of that um, throughout the week, pray for him. Send him a little thank you note because he's, uh, he's been helping us out a lot. There are all of the announcements that I had. I probably missed something, but if you uh, have anything you'd like for me to communicate to the church family, um, just send it to me and I can uh, send it out via email or Facebook. Um, also, if you check on our website, um, under Kids Downloadables, you will see our children's workshop bulletins for our message, our little theologians program, if you will. So if you have a separate computer and you'd like to do that now, it's on our website. You can just go on there and download what age group, and uh, you can check that out. So the kids can continue to uh, follow along with our message this morning. Well, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon. We're going to be looking in our morning sharing of the Word at the book of Philemon. Philemon is a small little book tucked away in between Titus and Hebrews. It's only about 25 verses, about 335 words, making it one of the smallest books in the Bible, but one that has a powerful message. 
The message this morning is entitled, The Gospel Brings Restoration. Last week, we were able to graciously learn more about God and His Gospel in looking at the Gospel brings hope. And we pray and ask for much the same to happen today. As we look at this passage in Philemon, and the message is entitled, The Gospel Brings Restoration. The word restoration means to reestablish, to put back to a former place. To reestablish and put back to a former place. Now, in that definition, it implies that something occurred to cause the need for restoration. And that's what we're going to see here in this little book of Philemon. So if you please look to your Scriptures this morning, to the book of Philemon, we're going to read the entire thing. It's a short one, won't take long, but I want to read to get a little bit of an understanding here. Starting in verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I am preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted for you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. 
refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will graciously, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. A little bit of a intro here to understanding how this gospel that we believe in Christ to be of restoration, I have to understand a little bit about what's happening here with this book of Philemon. Now this is written by the Apostle Paul. That's very clear. And its recipients are a few people. Its recipients, you can see in verse 2, are to Philemon, a fellow worker, a church leader, if you will, Aphia, his wife, who was a church leader as well, and Aristarchus, a fellow soldier, another church leader, and to the church in their home. Now we see here that Philemon and Aphia had a, a home church. And this letter of the Apostle Paul is written primarily to Philemon, but he also writes it to the church leaders and to the church. And he writes it about a young man by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus is a joy to understand within the context of the book of Philemon when you pair it to the gospel. And we're going to get to that. But I want to first start by saying this book, this letter, is a clear profound picture of the gospel. We learn this from its, its message. If you've ever wondered what clear gospel in everyday circumstances, in everyday life looks like, these 335 words show us give to us a clear picture of what the Gospel is. And we learn that when we see the issue. Okay, So the, the explanation of what's happening here. What well, we looked at earlier, it's from the Apostle Paul, written to Philemon, about this guy named Onesimus. Now who was Onesimus? Onesimus was a servant of Philemon. The Greek word doulos was a bond servant, much like the apostle was to Christ. Onesimus was to Philemon. He worked for Philemon. He was a servant. And at some point, Onesimus stole from Philemon and ran away. Onesimus wronged Philemon, stole something. We don't know what that is, but we do know in Paul's wording later in the letter that it was something 
that had some form of value financially, monetarily. And Onesimus, upon stealing from Philemon and running away, was then caught. Now, a little bit of a background into some historical setting here. In this time period, this Greco-Roman time period, okay, we understand historically that if you were a bond servant, if you were a servant, okay, contrary to what we might think in our own minds of that term today, if you were a servant, you were actually not the lowest of the low, in a sense, if you will. If you were a servant, that necessarily wasn't the worst thing you could be in this society. What was the worst thing, and that was exactly what Onesimus was currently, a runaway servant. A servant who, was, who wronged his master and then ran away was absolutely, in that Roman culture, was the worst of the worst. And in fact, a runaway servant had absolutely no rights at all. So Onesimus here, running away from Philemon and wronging him, actually becomes the worst of the worst, sociologically, in that time period. And we see here from Paul's wording, when he begins his plea in verse 8, that he says that he met Onesimus in prison. So at some point in Onesimus's running away, he ended up getting what? He ended up getting caught. And he ended up going to prison, awaiting his trial, which was not going to be a good situation for Onesimus. And amidst this time period, he ends up getting chained next to or speaking with the Apostle Paul. Okay? Now, if you know anything about New Testament context, okay, if you were at all chained or in the same prison room as the Apostle Paul, there's a good chance that you're hearing the Gospel. And that's exactly what happened. The Apostle Paul does what the Apostle Paul was called to do when God saved him in Acts chapter 9, was to preach the Word of God. And he did that in chains. Paul was himself in prison because of speaking the truth of the Gospel. And Paul ends up in prison next to Onesimus, and he shares the Gospel with him, and Onesimus gets saved. Onesimus comes to saving faith in Christ. He turns from his sin and gloriously steps into being born again into the family of God. But we see that Onesimus is still under some consequences for his actions. He still wronged Philemon. He was still a bondservant of Philemon. And just because he came to saving faith in Christ did not negate what he had done previously. He still had consequences for his actions even though he was forgiven. Enter the Apostle Paul 
writing this letter. Paul knew Philemon. Paul knew of the house church that Philemon and Aphia were leading with Aristarchus. And Paul knew them because of Paul's involvement with hearing of the ministry to the Colossians, which is where Philemon was in Colossae. And Paul uses his apostolic position to plead for Onesimus' case to Philemon. And this is exactly why this letter is written. Now, you've heard the saying, not seeing eye to eye. Okay? You've heard that said before. And this is a time when, when two people don't necessarily agree wholeheartedly on something. They don't see eye to eye. That is not what's happening here. Okay? This is not just two people who don't see eye to eye. This is a, a blatant wrongdoing on the part of Onesimus. He stole from Philemon and he ran away. And he then got caught and Paul is pleading on his behalf to Philemon. Now enter, enter our, our title of this message. The Gospel Brings Restoration. And we're going to see that because Paul is, is asking for, he's pleading for what? Look at verse 15. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you a while, that you might have him back forever. Speaking of God's providential plan in orchestrating all of this, no longer as a slave, no, no, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. The Apostle Paul is pleading to Philemon, that he forgive and restore Onesimus to himself. Paul is asking that Philemon forgive and restore Onesimus to himself. Now, there are two ways to look at this. You've heard the saying there are two sides to every story. That's kind of what we're seeing here. You have Onesimus' side, okay? Onesimus was wrong and deserving of punishment because he was in fact guilty for wronging Philemon. Now enter Philemon's side. He was wronged and justified to execute judgment in a civil arena. According to the historical and sociological rules at that time, Philemon was justified in executing the appropriate judgment towards Onesimus for wronging him. But then enter the gospel of Christ and the unexpected happens. As it often does with God and His message to a sinful people. 
the Gospel in this situation brings Philemon to a place where he can in fact forgive Onesimus. And he can in fact be restored to him because of the Gospel. How or, or why? Because that's exactly what Christ did for us. That's exactly what God wants us to do. That's exactly what the Gospel speaks of. And this is made possible in the context of Philemon and Onesimus, not only by the Gospel, okay, but also by Paul's wording here. Look at verse 18 and 19. If he has wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. So in the context of these two men in this situation here, Paul is saying that whatever Onesimus took from you, whatever value that is monetarily, financially, I'll pay it. Charge it to my account. And that is a wonderful thing that, that the Apostle Paul could do for two brothers in Christ. But look at that in light of the Gospel. In the context of the Gospel, that's ex exactly what Christ did for us. Look at Colossians 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. Philemon and Onesimus are a picture of us and God. Everyone is Onesimus. We've all wronged God and caused Him harm by sinning against Him and breaking His law. And just like Philemon was justified to act accordingly, God, as the ultimate, perfect, holy God, had every right to punish you and I for our sin. But instead, He sent Christ to bear the punishment that we deserve. Us. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And when we look at this situation with Philemon and Onesimus, we begin to see the beautiful picture of the gospel. Ephesians 2 says, and you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. That word dead there means unable to respond to any impulse or to perform function. That was us. Much like Onesimus was caught. He had broken the law. He had done wrong. And he was wrong. Much the same 
in our setting with God, we were once dead in trespasses and sins in which we once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Look at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. This understanding of how the Gospel brings restoration begins with understanding what the Gospel is. And the Gospel is God meeting a sinful people who repent and turn from their sin, understand their sin in its defiance to a holy God, and put their faith and trust in Christ and believe. And this is the crux of it all. This is where we begin to see this letter of Philemon to be gospel-centered in the fact that we can be restored to God if, in fact, we have been. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119.18, Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things of your law. When the Apostle Paul came to know Christ, Acts writes that there's something like scales that fell, across, fell off of his eyes. And pair that with, with being born again in John 3.3, 3, and we see that there's a difference between those who have been restored and those who have not. For Paul writes to the church in Corinth, the message of the Gospel, the message of the cross, is foolishness to those who do not believe. I want to say this morning, if you're listening to this live stream and you have not repented of your sin and turned to Christ, I urge you to. Because 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us our sins. This is not a game. This is eternity. Your eternity at stake. And I implore you to turn from your sin to God who will forgive you because of Christ. Now if you're listening to this live stream as a believer, then I implore both you and I to forgive Always those who have wronged us. There's a gospel-centeredness to this book of Philemon, and that applies to both believers and unbelievers. The message of the gospel calls all unbelievers to be saved. And the message of the gospel calls believers to live like it. And we see this when we look at Philemon and Onesimus. Because sometimes we may find ourselves always, rather, like Onesimus. Struggling, 
and making mistakes. But sometimes we might find ourselves in Philemon's setting where someone wrongs us. And this is where we see the importance of Matthew 18, verse 21. Matthew 18, verse 21. We're going to read a passage of Scripture here. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now in looking at this passage of Scripture, for me to be forgiven by God, pardoned by the blood of Christ, and made a child of God to be restored to Him by His redemptive work, and then live my life not forgiving others is the most absurd thing I could do. I'm a living, breathing oxymoron if that's the case. If I partake of God's forgiveness, sing Amazing Grace, and then turn to my brother and sister and say, pay up, you owe me because you've wronged me. That is not the gospel. That is carnality at its finest. And for us as a church to live gospel-centered lives means we live and breathe forgiveness that leads to restoration. Because that's what we see here in this letter of Paul to Philemon. The wrong that you and I did in the sight of God and the punishment we deserved, Christ placed that on Himself 
on the cross, bore our sins, paid that price, and defeated the grave by rising again a few days later. And that's not something that we believe and stick in our back pocket and live our lives like we want to. That's something that we believe and turn to daily. Why? Because he is faithful. He is faithful. Listen to what the Expositor's Bible Commentary says regarding this passage. What Paul did for Onesimus reflects the infinitely greater intercession and redemptive act of Christ for us. Who because of our sin are all indebted to God in a way we cannot repay ourselves. As Luther said, here we see how Paul layeth himself out for poor Onesimus. And with all his means, pleadeth his cause with his master. And so setteth himself as if he were Onesimus. And had himself done wrong to Philemon. Even as Christ did for us with God the Father. Thus also doth Paul for Onesimus with Philemon. We'll read that again. Even so as Christ did for you and I as believers in Christ. A picture of what Onesimus, Philemon, and Paul were. We are all Onesimus to my thinking. End quote. Will you pair that with Luke twenty-two, thirty-one. Listen to this. Simon, Simon, behold. This is Christ speaking. Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. What it must have been like for the God of the universe to tell you that he has prayed for you but even so, you have been adopted as sons and daughters by God. Been made an heir to God's inheritance. Purchased by Him to be restored and reconciled to Himself to enjoy eternal fellowship and peace through whatever life brings. How? Why? Because of Christ. Because of the Gospel. The Gospel of the Word of God brings restoration. And I want to encourage you this morning that if you have not turned from your sin, if you have not believed in Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you to search the Scriptures and to turn from sin and believe. And if you're listening this morning and you have, I want to encourage you to remember to forgive others as God in Christ forgave you. And may that challenge us and encourage us in this interesting time that we're in, not to lose sight of thinking biblically and thinking with a Christ-centered attitude with the Gospel bringing 
restoration. Thank you for listening. Bless you. And we hope to spend some more time together next Sunday here again.